This is Encounters, a dialogue that brings you multifaceted life stories you don't want to miss. But it was one day I had run away from home and I was on my way to Africa. I started thinking, I realized language, it's like everything. Without language, we can do nothing. So I started thinking about language. I didn't think Chinese at first, I thought, but I want to learn a foreign language. And Chinese have Chinese characters, so they're like a really special language. And also, it's not French or Spanish, which everybody learns. So after I decided, I think I'll go learn Chinese. In life, there's no regret. You have to take a road right or left. We never know if it's the right road, but you have to make a decision. And so I think of it as a learning experience. Maybe I can describe you using Robert Frost's poem. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, road, the Road Untaken. Yeah, mm-hmm. The yeah. Road Untaken. Yeah. Do you think you fit into that well, poem? Everyone does. Everyone makes decisions. And we never know what this decision would be if we took the other road. Chinese usually use what are called mnemonics. They look at a character, they imagine something, and they memorize the character. But what they imagine is usually not the original form of the character. So some people write books where everything is imagined. But Mm -hmm. even the real experts, they will disagree on maybe 10% or 20% of the characters because we still don't know all of the stories. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Man Ling. This year marks the 120th anniversary of the discovery of the Oracle Bond inscriptions. In today's program, we have Richard Sears in the studio, an American with a fascinating hobby, the pictographic origins of Chinese characters. Richard is widely known as Hanzi Shushu or Uncle Hanzi, Uncle Chinese characters in China, a nickname given by Chinese netizens. At the age of 69, he has contributed a third of his life to the research of the Chinese language. Although Richard has set up his own website on Chinese character etymology, his roots are not in linguistics. He studied physics and computer science in university. How did he develop an interest in Chinese? And why is he so obsessed with the origins of Chinese words? Stay tuned to find out. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for coming in. Would you please introduce your name to our listeners? Uh, my name is Richard Sears. Uh, my Chinese name for the past 40 years has been Sireda. Well, that's my old name. Uh, the, 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 more recently, people have called me Hanzi Shushu. Hanzi Shushu. Uncle yeah. Hanzi, right? And, okay, let's play a game. I want you to use one word to introduce yourself. How do you define yourself? Because everybody has a self-definition, right? Who am I? For example, I'm Manling, I'm a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. So if you use one word, which word are you going to use on yourself? Scientist. 
Oh, you are a scientist. Yes. Oh my God! In front of a scientist, I'm going to have a difficult conversation. Okay, so scientist is the word you define yourself. But if I allow you to use one sentence, never stop learning. Never stop learning is the sentence. Yes. That's Mr. Sears. Yep. Okay, and Uncle Hans, right? Yes. But. If you have the luxury of having one paragraph, a brief introduction of yourself, please let our listeners know who Mr. Sears is. Well, the thing that motivates me most is to learn something new about the universe every day. My main interests are physics, science, and language, in particular Chinese characters, the pictographic origins of Chinese characters. You call yourself Uncle Hanzi, right? Well,、uh, or, or Hanzi Shushu. Yes. Actually, it's a nickname given to you by our netizens, right? Yes. From the Chinese mainland. Yes. And why? I、uh, became interested in learning Chinese、uh, when I was twenty-two. I realized that only seven percent of the world speaks English, so I went to only seven percent as a mother tongue. Yes. Okay. So I went、Good、to, to <laughs> so I went to Taiwan with the intent of learning Chinese. At the age of twenty-two. Yes. Were you enrolled already in the university that time? Yes, I dropped in and out. In America, we are a little bit freer. Of course. I dropped in and out of college, and I finally got a degree after ten years in physics. Physics. Yes. Right, and still now you're calling yourself scientist. Yes. So physics is still your main sort of、uh, profession. You think? Oh well, no! Chinese characters is now my main. Replacing <laughs> physics,、yes. right? And then, as a young student, like eighteen, twenty something, right?、Mm -hmm. When was the first thing that made you to come overlap with Chinese, either people, culture, language, characters? Something must be happening in your life that make you exposed to something Chinese. My. Childhood life was very controlled. So I by my father. Why helicopter father? I guess that's what he. He had his ideas of what I should do. It was a very controlled life. So、uh, when I was eighteen, I ran away from home.、Uh, just tell me how controlled he was.、Uh, I was not allowed to watch movies, or、mm -hmm. go to dances, or go on dates, or、um, do many of the things that other kids did. He has justification in doing that to his son. No, he had his own. He was basically wanted to keep me on the straight and narrow. I guess he was probably afraid that I might get into trouble if if I was free to do what I wanted. He was、uh, protecting you. He、right? was protecting me. Yes, from hippies. <laughs> from hippies. Yes. <laughs> But eventually, he he was driving you to the hippie world. Don't、um, you think yes. so?、Uh, yes. Kids are rebellious, right? I wanted to find out the real. Uh, world people, you know, I I was raised in a, a society that was all Christian,、mm -hmm. and I began to question that reality of、uh, religion at an early age, and then I began to question the reality of everything else. Going back to the first encounter、mm -hmm. with something Chinese, do you remember specifically what was that? Oh, we had in Medford, everyone was white. Everyone was white in your hometown. Yes, there was one and a half Chinese families. One and a half. Yes. 
Why half? Uh, well, because one of them was husband and wife was Chinese, and then the other one, the wife was American. Ah, and how occasion. did you come to know them? I lived in a small town, so we knew pretty much everybody. When did you hear, for the first time, hear the sound of a Chinese or see the shape of a Chinese character? Well, when was that? Before that, I knew, when I went to college, when I ran away and I went to college, of course, I knew some Chinese students there, and I was interested in it, but I never had a serious intention of learning it. But it was one day I had run away from home, and I was on my way to Africa. I started thinking, <laughs> I realized language it's like everything. Without language, we can do nothing. So I started thinking about language. I didn't think Chinese at first, I thought, but I want to learn a foreign language. Mm -hmm. And Chinese have Chinese characters, so they're like a really special language. Not, and also, it's not French or Spanish, which everybody learns. So after I decided, um, I think I'll go learn Chinese. Why did you choose Africa? Because that's the father's place that you can find to get away from your mm, father? Pretty much. <laughs> okay. And then, as you said, when you decided, that's at the age of 22, right? Yeah. You bought a ticket. Yeah. And you go well, to... I washed dishes because back then, you know, I hadn't graduated yet, so I just washed dishes. There was no way you can get money from your parents, uh, as no, you said. Not to go to Taiwan. Yeah, so you have to earn that sort of uh, ticket yes. fare. Yes, so I bought a one-way ticket. One way, my goodness, yeah. that's very brave. Yeah, I but landed with $80 in my pocket. $80 in your pocket, and knowing yeah. nobody there, yeah. right? Yeah. And how did you break this piece of news to your parents? I told my father I was going to... Taiwan to learn Chinese. What was his reaction? You're a psychotic hippie. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you defend yourself? Uh, well, I said I'm going anyway. But my father was dying of cancer. That time? Yes. Already? Yes. When you told them that you're going to go to Taiwan and study Chinese? Yes. And you still wanted to go? Yes. What a son. Oh, uh, yeah, terrible son. Oh, my well, God. Well, I didn't know how serious it was. But okay. Anyway, by the time I got the ticket and was headed, he um, accompanied me to the airport. He still saw yeah. you off, right? Yeah. And then later, one of the things that I remember most is when I was in Taiwan, mm -hmm. I told him I could really learn Chinese faster if I had a TV. Mm -hmm. So he sent me the money for the TV. So what a loving father. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. said he's controlling. When I um, grew up, he had to release control. Yes. It was difficult. I had to run away, and he didn't have a choice. But then he realized that I was no longer a child. So in the end, he knew that it was my direction in life. So you fought for your freedom, right? Yes, I had to. And uh, then how did your family, especially friends, peers, respond to your decision to go to Taiwan to learn Chinese? Um, my friends, we were all young. Most of the people I called friends were also adventuresome. So they thought, oh, Richard's gone to Taiwan. They actually <laughs> applaud, right, for uh, you? Yeah, my friends at that time. Of course, there were people who stayed home and never went anywhere, but they weren't my friends. Did some of them envy you, actually? Probably, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it took guts, right, to make such a decision, right? Uh, yeah. And then family, relatives, you know. <clears throat> no, they didn't influence my life very much. My grandfather, oh, he had died by then. So my relatives, we weren't very close. 
Ah, uh, so the only ones who opposed your going were your parents. Yes. And then, how did you convince them? I didn't. I bought. You just the, go. I bought the ticket and I said I'm going, and they had to adjust. And it took how long for them to to uh, say, "Hey, this is my son." <clears throat> that well, my father got the idea, but then he died early when I was 23. And my mother was always worried whenever I'd go somewhere out of the United States. Are you guilty? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you think you can bring your mom less worry? She liked worrying. Ah, okay. As a mother, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, worry is a kind of professional thing for oh, yes. a mother to yes. do, right? Yes. Worrying for son and daughter. Yes. Then you stayed in Taiwan for how long? At the age of twenty-two, in the year nineteen seventy-two. <clears throat> I first stayed there for two years. Two years. Yeah. What did you do? Pretty much everything. I learned a little Chinese, uh, but then I hiked around in the in the jungle and I did all kinds of stuff. Jungle. Yeah, Taiwan's got a lot of jungle. You explore snakes there. Yes. Really? Yeah. How did you make ends meet? I taught English. What yeah. sort of、uh, professional things you started to think about? Two years wasted, actually. Right? No. Playing. No. Having fun. Having fun. Learning Chinese. You said you spent very little time on learning Chinese. I only spoke Chinese. Well, I didn't study it as seriously. Chinese, but I had to speak to people on the streets. I never spoke English to people on the streets. So, so after two years, after a couple of years, I could, you know, survive in Chinese. I understand that、uh, spoken Chinese <coughs> is the thing you achieved right for these two years, and、mm -hmm. also it's a great chance for you to learn、mm -hmm. about the Chinese society and people. Oh yeah. Then two years in Taiwan, then you came back、yes. to University of Portland, right? Yeah. Portland State, Portland State University,、yeah. to yeah. get a degree in, in physics. physics. Yes, I got married too. You married a lady in Taiwan. Yeah. During that two years. Yeah. How did you meet her? I met her on the street. On the street. And then I went home with her. Chinese people would feel offended if you say, "Hey, girl," you know. No, I didn't say "Hey, girl."、Okay. She said,、What? "Hey, hello." Oh, oh really? <laughs> okay, it's the other way around, right? <laughs>、yes. You must be very handsome. Right,、uh, more handsome than I am today. <laughs>、oh, Chinese girls are conservative, and she was brave to well, say in, hello to a foreigner, and then finally, you know, well, married him. People on the street would always say hello to foreigners. I said hello back. What about her that attracted you? It's hard to say. I mean,、um, you find somebody that you're attracted to.、Uh, why?、Uh, mm -hmm. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. One thing is, there was nothing spontaneous where I grew up.、Mm -hmm. And there was everything spontaneous where she grew up. Ah, so totally different sort of、uh, upbringing. Yes, you are the controlled one, right? Like you、mm. said, controlled, and、yes. she was the free sort of,、um, yeah. you know, upbringing. Yes, and that was the thing that attracted you. In retrospect, that was one thing. That's one very important thing,、yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, did you bring her back to the states? Yeah. And then, how did your parents receive her? My father was dead. My mother liked her. And、um, you married twice, right? Yeah. Can I know what's the reason? What was the thing that、um, you said bye bye I, to each other? I still hadn't gone to Africa. 
You wanted to continue your African dream. Yes. Well, I didn't figure I wanted. Uh-huh. See, my plan was to go to Taiwan, learn so. Chinese in a year, and then go to Russia and learn Russian, and then and go the, to Africa. So Chinese is your detour. Yes. And then Russia, the <clears throat> next stop. Yeah. And well, how come finally you just sacrificed or you know forgot about Russia and Africa, and then stay in the, you know? Well, I, I so I did get divorced, and then I went to Africa. Oh, you finally went to Africa. Yeah. After the divorce. Yeah. And、uh, do you regret about the divorce? In life, there's no regret. You have to take a road right or left. We never know if it's the right road, but you have to make a decision. And so I think of it as a learning experience. Maybe I can describe you using Robert Frost's poem. Oh yes. Yeah,、uh, the, road, the road untaken. Yeah,、uh, yeah, the road untaken. Yeah. Do you think you fit into that well, poem? Well, everyone does.、You、everyone have to, does. Yes. Everyone makes decisions,、mm-hmm. and we never know what the decision would be if we took the other road. Yeah, how Africa not kept you there? Oh,、um, because that was your initial dream to explore Africa,、yeah. and then you did go there.、Mm-hmm. Is Not attractive enough to keep you there, or、oh, something well, else happened. We run into random events, and the events that I ran into into Africa were not. Didn't I? Didn't want to stay there. You don't want to stay there. No, it's not interesting enough. Well, it's interesting, but it's also rough. Too rough. Yeah, life is not so enjoyable. You mean? Yeah, you can. There's lots of bad things. Well, it depends on what you see. You know. Sometimes you can land in a place and see bad things. It makes the place look bad. The first impression. The first impression. Yeah.、Mm. Uh, sometimes the place is bad. Anyway, I decided I didn't want to stay in Africa. Okay. And sometimes the、um, place is good, but the first impression is bad. Sometimes、yes. the place is not good, but、yes. the first impression is good. Yes. So it all matters, right? Yes, the、matters. first impression.、Yeah. Yes. And then you come back to Taiwan. To Spend another two years in Taiwan. And how come you decided to go back to Taiwan again? Because、uh, I decided Chinese was important. And then what happened? Spend another two years in Taiwan. Doing what?、Uh, by that time, I could teach new some computer science, and I could teach programming. But you haven't got a computer science degree yet. No. No. Back then, it was a time where most computer scientists were self-taught. Self-taught? Yeah. How? Was, because computers were really, really new, and there was hardly such a thing as computer science. Like curriculum, curriculum and textbooks,、yeah. they were not available. Yeah.、Right? And so, if you're in early 1980s, most computer—I would say, from based on my experience—most computer experts were self-taught. Do you call yourself a computer expert? Computers. Go like this,、uh-huh. and there are certain things that I have been expert in, and, and then, then I surpass. Uh-huh, uh-huh.、Uh, so, yes, but you, you no, you were the pioneering experts. Yes. Shall I call you? Yes, yes. at the very beginning, right? Yes,、uh, um, in pretty much the beginning. Yeah, but you specialized in physics. But、mm-hmm. how can computer science attracted you? What was the trigger? You know, something. Well, by 1980. I got a degree in physics, but I wasn't that good, and it was hard to find a job in physics. I also knew some Chinese, and I knew a bit about computer programming, so that was where my expertise was in the first 
wave of being able to computerize Chinese. Oh. Yeah. Were you hired by somebody to do such a job? Yes. I had several jobs doing various aspects of early computerization of Chinese. But I remember <clears throat> um, we had a, quite a sort of um, difficulty in how to computerizing our characters and digitalize them. Yes. And then we, I think we invented some strokes, sort of uh, some system of our there, own. There was, a, there was a lot of systems. China, Japan, Korea, they all had their national standards for Chinese. There were a number of different input methods, mm -hmm. some of them better than others. But finally, we had the unification of Chinese characters and we had the Unicode. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in between. Some of it was worked, some of it didn't Some work. died out. Yes, a lot of stuff died out. Mm -hmm. And we end up where we are today. So you were telling me that you're in the process of exploring, you know, finally, and uh, yes. we find the Unicode. Uh, Thank you so uh, much. Unicode was one of the... Uh, one of the uh, systems. Was, it was the final. Yeah, the final uh, one. But yeah. before that, yeah. you have all kinds of ways and means, and people are coming up with different ideas how to yes. you know, input yeah. um, these difficult yeah. pictographs graphic mm -hmm. <laughs> language into the system. Yeah. And then that's why you went back to the States and then, then, then got yourself enrolled for a computer science degree, right? Yes. And then when was the idea that you're going to computerize or digitalize sort of Chinese characters, especially the ancient Chinese characters, <clears throat> came into your mind? Well, when I was 40, I still couldn't read and write Chinese. I wanted to learn to read and write Chinese before I died. Yeah. I was thinking about the 1994, you had a heart attack. Uh, yes. At that time, I was interested in the origins of Chinese characters. And you can understand. Listening and speaking, no problem. But yeah. reading and writing is a big problem. Yeah. But I'm a physicist. I want to know why we have to do such complicated stuff. <laughs> do you agree that Chinese is one of the most difficult languages on planet Earth? To read and write. To learn. Yes. To yeah, read, to and, read write, and write. Yes. yes. But listening and speaking is no problem? If you start from scratch, no. All languages are theoretically equal difficulty to speak. But um, reading and writing is a different thing. Chinese is definitely harder than other languages because of the number of complicated characters. As far as Oracle Bone characters, we can understand about 1,500 characters we are sure of. There are maybe several thousand other characters that we don't know what they mean. So is this the um, reason why you started to trace the origins of Chinese, ancient Chinese characters? Yes. And later put it on website and yes. to promote this yes. amongst to other people? Because Chinese usually use uh, what are called mnemonics. They look at a character, they imagine something, and they memorize the character. Yes. But what they imagine is usually not the original form of the character. Ah, okay. So some people write books where everything is imagined. Uh -huh. But even the real experts, they will disagree on maybe 10% or 20% of the characters because we still don't know all of the stories. Your job, your interest, your even madly sort of obsession into the Chinese, ancient Chinese characters is to decipher or to record and to digitize? Uh, my interest, because if you look at a modern character, 
it appears to have no logic. Oh, you are going to relate yes. the modern character yes. with the very original shape. My interest is to relate every modern character, every part of every character, is ultimately derived from a pictograph. And if you know the original pictograph and the original meaning, every character is logical. Interest is the best motivator. Driven by his passion for the Chinese language, Richard has built up a massive database where users can find more than ninety-six thousand ancient Chinese character forms that can be traced back to the oracle bond characters, bronze characters, and seal characters of ancient times. His Chinese etymology has propelled him to internet fame in China. In the next episode, Richard will share more of his research findings, his life in China, and future plans for his website. And that's the end of our show. I'm Manling. Thank you for joining me. If you liked our program and want to listen to some of our other episodes, be sure to search for Encounters on Apple Podcasts. Or visit ChinaPlus.cri.cn and look for Encounters, where you will find other episodes of the show, along with Manling's journals, which offers writings about our interviews. <laughs> <laughs>